Here, this is a pack of stick. Did oh, I, I got that on tape. I remember. <laughs> Mormon Evidence Podcast with host Rod Meldrum. This week's Come Follow Me supplemental study is Lesson 20, Mosiah chapters 25 through 28. They were called the people of God. Rod's guests today are Mike and Betty LaFontaine from Jacksonville, Florida. They love travel and have raised a beautiful family. Betty Red Aunt LaFontaine is a full-blooded Diné Navajo, born of the Red Clay Bottom Clan for the Salt Clan. Raised on the Navajo Reservation, she lived most of her youth in New Mexico in the traditional ways of the Diné. Betty is the middle child of 11 children, most of whom continue to live on the reservation. Although Mike grew up in Florida and Betty in New Mexico, they met at the LDS Indian Student Placement Program and have been married 38 years. They've lived in Orange Park, Florida, where they've been for 25 years, and they love spending time with their beautiful five children and 18 grandchildren. Welcome to another edition of our uh, Come Follow Me Supplemental Study podcast, and we have with us uh, some dear friends that, if you've seen our, a couple of our early podcasts, we actually had uh, Mike and Betty Red Ant, LaFontaine, uh, Native Americans, and they're here with me to discuss. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, this is uh, the Mosiah chapters 25 through 28. And uh, we're really excited about having uh, some insights uh, from a Native American perspective and, and uh, excited about, uh, about what we're going to be talking about. So to begin with, um, again, we're using the uh, annotated edition of the Book of Mormon as our, uh, as our uh, study reference material. So if we're going to be starting on page 188 at the top of the right-hand column there in Mosiah chapter 25. And uh, a couple of things about this, um, just for information's sake. Um, chapter 25 is the beginning of what of um, the the final change in 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 time, basically flashbacks in time. And just for a little explanation of that, just I'll give you I'll give the, give everybody just a little uh, uh, explanation here. If you go to page 158 in the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon, it talks about these flashbacks. And basically, in the, the Book of Mosiah, you have all these different times. Like for example, in Mosiah chapters one through eight. It starts off at about 130 B.C. and then works its way down to 121 B.C. But then in Mosiah chapters 9 through 22, it flashes all the way back to 200 B.C. So it's, whereas the first one started at 130 and then ended up at 121 B.C., now it flashes all the way back to 200 B.C. and picks up the Zenith, the Noah, and Abinadi story. And then in Mosiah chapters 23 and 24, it has a second flashback, which basically then reiterates and gives more, more information about the Alma, the elder story. Mm-hmm. And then these chapters from uh, 25 through 29 actually then um, end at the 120 B.C., where the other ones all left off, and then continues on and goes from 120 B.C. and then all the way down to 20 to 91 B.C. So this is actually, these chapters are after all these other flashbacks have happened, and so this is where it now begins in those flashbacks. And it basically, so verse 1, says, And now King Mosiah caused that all the people should be gathered together. Now there were not so many of the children of Nephi as there were of the people of Zarahemla. So let's kind of take just a second and explain kind of what's going on here. So you had Nephi and his people in the land of Nephi, right? And then they 
they go, we go back to Omni here, and uh, the book of Omni, uh, chapter 1, and verse 12, that tells what happened, you know, from the, how, how the people of, of Nephi got to the land of Zarahemla the first time. Said, Behold, I am Amalekai, the son of Abinadam. Behold, I will speak unto you somewhat concerning Mosiah, who was made king over the land of Zarahemla. So Mosiah came from the land of Nephi, but he was made king over the land of Zarahemla. But behold, he being warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi, and as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord should also depart out of the land with him into the, into the wilderness. And they came to pass that they did according to the, as the Lord had commanded them. They departed out of the land into the wilderness, as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And they were led by many preachings and prophesyings, and they were admonished continually by the word of God, and they were led by the power of his arm through the wilderness until they came down into the land which was called the land of Zarahemla. So that's how the Nephites first got to Zarahemla, and who did they find there? That was first contact. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they found the people of Mulek. Mulek, Mulek's people. The Mulekites were there and so forth. Now, the interesting thing, when we get over here to Mosiah chapter 25, it says now that, there, that the children of Nephi, were, there, there was a lot more of the people of Zarahemla than there was of the children of Nephi. Okay? Who was a descendant of Mulek. Excuse me. As there were the people of Zarahemla who was a descendant of Mulek. This is in verse uh, 2. And those who came up with him into the wilderness. And there were not so many of the people of Nephi and of the people of Zarahemla as there were of the Lamanites. They, they were not half so numerous. Mm. So basically, if you combine the people of Mulek, basically, and also the, the Nephites, combine those two, they were less than half of the people of the Lamanites. And uh, one of the interesting things that I like to bring up to people is that, is that, um, that there may have been other people here on the promised land and the Lamanites may have intermarried with this other group early on and that would actually bolster their numbers so that they it seems like the Lamanites constantly over had had more, a larger population than the Nephites did constantly and uh, and so and, and why is that I mean why would they always have more people well because not only did they have the Nephites who left and then joined the Lamanites but they also had other people who they were intermarrying with, and that may have a lot to do with their covenant um, and, and what they considered the breaking of their covenant and, uh, and so forth, to marry within their kindred, which is a Hebrew tradition. They married outside of their covenant with these other people. And, uh, and that's, anyway, there's a lot more to that that we talk about in other, other information, but we don't have time to get into that uh, in this episode. So, Anyway, so just wanted to, to kind of get an idea of where these people were coming from. Mm -hmm. And now all the people of Nephi were assembled together, and also all the people of Zarahemla, they were gathered together in two bodies. And it came to pass that Mosiah did read and caused to be read the records of Zenith. So if we remember who Zenith was, he was the one that came after, after Mosiah went up and, and joined with the Mulekites. Then Zenith was one of the people who left, and they, and they left the land of Zarahemla. And they went down to the land of Nephi, or Lehi-Nephi, and there they got the land of the Lamanites. Basically, they gave him land, <laughs> okay, right? And then you have his, his son was King Noah, wicked King Noah. Mm -hmm. And then they kill Abinadi, and then his, the King Noah's son was Limhi. And then basically, and, and, and from King Noah's time frame, we have Alma the Elder. Then he basically leaves the land of Nephi, 
and goes to the waters of Mormon. From there, they leave to go to the, water, to the land of Helam. And from there, they make it back up to Zarahemla. So they have made this, this back all the way to Zarahemla here. Okay. And so now what's, what's happening is that Mosiah is reading all, these, all this, this record, the record of Zenith to his people. Yeah, he reads the records of the people of Zenith from the time that they left the land of Zarahemla until they returned again. And he also read the account of Alma and his brethren. So Alma and his brethren also had records uh, of their afflictions from the time that they left the land of Zarahemla till they came and, and, they, and they returned back again. Okay, so, um, so anyway, so, as it, so basically he's kind of going through a lot of their different, it shows that they had several different records that they were working with. All right, and then they established seven churches throughout the land of Zarahemla. Uh, we want to jump over here to Mosiah chapter 26. And, um, and, and, and would, you, would you mind reading that for us, Betty? Which one, the first one? Uh, the first, uh, yeah, the first verse. Okay, now it came to pass that there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin, being little children at the time. He spake unto his people, and they did not believe the traditions of their fathers. Hmm. Sounds familiar. <laughs> so the rising generation didn't believe in the tradition of their fathers. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, let's, I, I want to just discuss this because it's interesting because in this particular case, the rising generation didn't believe in the tradition of their fathers, but was their tradition of their fathers good or bad with the Nephites? And then if you can compare that with the tradition of the fathers of the Lamanites, basically, was their tradition good or bad? And if and 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 why? Uh, yes, <clears throat> there are there are good traditions, very good traditions amongst the native people, amongst the Lamanites, and there are also bad traditions. And there also only add to that traditions that get tr- twisted mm-hmm. and um, over time get maybe. lost. And yeah, yeah. But with my people, it's more of a. We tell the story and we keep our traditions and they're handed down from generation to generation, whether they are good or bad. Mm-hmm. And it's when they receive the light of Christ is when that changing of the tradition comes back to the fold and um, it, it becomes oh, me, more even like a maybe a covenant, a renewed covenant. Mm-hmm. Their gathering is brought back to the fold of the light of Christ. When the traditions keep you from that, some of those bad traditions can yeah. keep you from that. And that's where a lot of the Lamanite people fall, is they have that confusion of tradition. Well, maybe one of the important question I think that we need to ask is, what was the original tradition of the Nephites what was the original tradition of the Lamanites, and how does that play into this whole thing today? Because what was the tradition of the Nephites? Their fathers <clears throat> follow the commandments. Mm-hmm. Well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, yeah. They have the brass plate, so they can have a have a, a reality check. <laughs> it was like a blueprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Laman and Lemuel, they they were the ones who really. Um, started the tradition of the Lamanite tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They and they probably had, I mean, obviously they were taught the same things as Nephi and Sam <clears throat> and through yeah. Lehi, but there was a, but they had a, they had a, a little bit different tradition. And one of the traditions that they had 
was that Nephi and those who followed him robbed them. Stole mm-hmm. them of their birthright. They stole of their birthright. And took the plates. They, uh, they, 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 um, took the they, they took the uh, the authority because Laman and Lemuel were the two oldest brothers, and they, yeah. and they felt that they should be the ones who should reign over mm-hmm. the family. And Nephi basically left and took that with him. So they felt wronged. They felt from the like beginning. that this was that they had been wrong from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of their tradition <clears throat> that they were passing down to their children and their children's children and children. That still happens today. So traditions can be a very powerful thing, yeah. both for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. And my point basically that I'd like to just want to uh, talk about here is this, this rising generation. Um, is it bad to acknowledge the traditions of your fathers? Is, is, is having traditional understanding a good or a bad thing? And that's... Oh, it depends on what the tradition is. Well, you know, <laughs> a good tradition among yeah. my people is that we pray three times a day. Mm-hmm. And we pray to yeah. a higher power, great spirit, which is our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And that's a good tradition. Yes. Now, today, I don't think that happens amongst the Lamanites, the majority of the Lamanites. Well, because the world, <laughs> yeah, the world, yeah. the worldly traditions have gotten in the way. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so on the other hand, I just want to point out that if there are good traditions, mm-hmm. And they are being passed down from a generation that has has accepted and and that have, have lived these good traditions, and they try to pass those down to their children, like apparently the Nephites were trying to do in this particular case. Mm-hmm. And they said the rising generation didn't believe in the tradition, <clears throat> so in that case they were rebelling against a good tradition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and does that happen? I mean, how does that happen in our day? What? Well, also talks about they forgot them because they were only taught in their youth. So apparently there's a long period of time when they were righteous and they were taught that. But it's been many years since they were taught that or all remembered that, and so they turned against it. So yeah, they said, didn't and, keep and, up and, on and it. And who did the teaching? It was King Benjamin that did the teaching. Exactly. Apparently the parents didn't keep up with what King Benjamin it. was doing, so mm-hmm. that it caused this rising generation to kind of lose it. And King Noah came along, and yeah. And anyway, so so when we talk about uh, these kind of traditions and so forth, there's that there's <clears throat> there's a little story that I want you guys to, to tell us a little bit about because um, you were uh, you were looking. Uh, tell us about uh, my experience, what, right? It, well, it's called <laughs> it's "Oh Stop awesome. and Tell Me, Red Man." Yeah. It was actually uh, when W. Phelps and Emma were um, asked to put together a sacred hymnal. Yeah. Um, they the were gathering. Hymnal, yeah. yeah, the first hymnal. Um, W.W. Phelps was out scouting or doing whatever. He came upon a garrison, and as he was walking by, he saw a, a tall native standing there looking mm-hmm. out, and he was dressed in his full regalia, beautiful thing that he saw, and when he did, he the spirit touched him to write this hymn. It's on page uh, was it 82 it's, and 83. It's 63, 63 in the first hymnal, <clears throat> and it's called Oh, Stop and Tell Me, Red the, the, Man. The hymnal's just a little tiny thing. It's about it's this big. Small, yeah. Yeah. And he just opened it up, and there's no music in it. It's just the words. No. And these are the words that were in the very first hymnal. Yeah. And written by W.W. W. Phelps. There, well, at the time when I was looking um, on my computer studying, this, as I always did every day, I, in the search bar I put Lamanite, and this song popped up. I started <laughs> reading it, and the spirit and my tears just started flowing. I was so touched by it. Um, 
And I, at dinner time, I showed it to Mike and I, I said, we he says, you've got to sing this. I says, well, what am I going to sing it to? I can't find any yeah, piece the, of music. Yeah, what is the music that goes to this? Yeah, but yeah. I did find the music later on. Um, but anyway, um, he, I showed it to him, and he said, well, you can sing it to your favorite hymn, and which happens to be If You Could Hide a Collab. And so he started, He's <laughs> and you said something funny, dear. What did you say? I said, the only music I play is on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it hit me, but it just came to me when I started reading it in the short short lines, you know, yeah, short sentences. And I'm thinking, that is just like Hyde Kolob. And we, at that time, had no idea that um, W.W. Phelps, Phelps had written it. Yeah. yeah, we figured that out down in St. Joe, was it? Uh, St. David. St. David. Down in Arizona. Down in Arizona. Now, you guys live in Florida. Right. So, uh, thank you for coming all the way up here just to have this podcast. This is the only us. reason I want to <laughs> Well, that in a bad way, but anyway, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, we were in St. David, and then uh, and that it was a Sunday morning, I remember, and you came. We we all we all were meeting at the Karchner's mm-hmm. uh, place. Uh, the Karchner's are actually if you if you live down by the um, temple down there in in Safford, I think it is Arizona. There's they 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 were the temp, they've been the temple presidents actually mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. I think they still are anyway. But anyway, so bottom line is is that they. Uh, they invited us to have a little get-together with a few people who are close friends of the Karchner family there in uh, St. David. And, and they. Um, and then you started to tell this story, and then what happened? And then I sang it. <laughs> That's right. I sang the it. first time and, you sang yeah, it. Yeah, as the first time I'd ever sang And we were all before. just The message, tears. if you so listen to the lyrics... You will catch the spirit of this song. It has meant so much to me. And I've sang it for a group when I was recently um, participated in the Book of Mormon videos. And as we would wait off the set, a bunch of us Lamanites would sit in a circle and we'd tell stories. And I told them I knew a song that they would probably love. And I sang it to them and they just were so touched. And one of the Navajo sisters just emailed me a little bit ago and said, I want to sing it with you one day. And yeah. I says, well, come on, <laughs> let's sing it. But Well, you've had a chance to sing it to a lot of different people. And, and a lot, we've, we've sang it at different conferences and so forth. And uh, I don't know, one, one of my favorite ones was when you, uh, I mean, how many people get to sing to Marie Osmond? She usually does the <laughs> oh, singing. Yeah. But uh, you <laughs> actually sang that to Marie Osmond, and I had a little special meeting with her. Brought and her to tears. Very sweet. And you yeah, it was very brought good. her a drum. And then you also brought me a drum, and uh, this is this is the drum that you uh, handmade for me. Mike and I worked on that. Yes, Mike. Makes I did the all drum, the drawing the and drum and the drawing and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, oh no, no, he makes the drum part itself here. Yeah. But anyway, but uh, and it says, "Oh, stop and tell me, Red Man," and it has all the different verses around on this. There's actually what is there seven verses or. Eight verses, I think it is. There's eight. Eight verses, yeah. Mm-hmm. And anyway, but it's, but it's really, really profound. The first two verses are actually basically um, an outsider, basically or a, a person, a Gentile, yeah. looking at the red man and basically asking some questions. And then the rest of the song is actually the red man response. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, um, And you know what? <clears throat> I never took offense at the word red man. 
No, I was going to say that. Very too. the beginning of the song. You know, when I saw it, Red Man song. People say that I don't take any offense, and I don't think you, you as a Lamanite would after you hear the. If, if you follow the words and re- read it, the spirit. It's yeah. and it's the turn of the century. I mean, it was a common phrase. It wasn't a derogatory thing right, at that time. Right. This is what. Yeah, that was just a way of of, of uh, recognizing basically native people versus mm-hmm. the, the the incomers. Yeah. <laughs> the newcomers. <laughs> and and Betty and I were out looking, you know, we, we knew about we read about this, W. W. Phelps and he was leaving from um Adam Almond area coming down looking for, for tracks for the Mormons to move to and coming through that way. And so we're out there, we knew where Bee Creek was, we knew where the Ohio River was, <clears throat> we found that and we're we're just we had no idea where we were going. Then we came across a trail. It was a Lewis, Lewis and Clark trail. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Something he obviously took the trail. Yeah. And then as he crossed over the river, he went to a garrison thing. And it would be awesome to find this garrison. I said, but a, a wood structure, yeah. 200 years, it's gone. But yeah. maybe they'll have a plaque. So we're looking around. <laughs> so as we cross the river and look to our right, what do we see? Like a monument or something? Fort Leavenworth. Fort Leavenworth. Oh, and that wow. was the garrison. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's not. <laughs> and that was just amazing. That's cool. The spirit there is, is so strong and amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so how should we do that? I guess, I guess we're, um, we're going to attempt to sing it, right? I was, I was trying to get Mike to sing it, but he says that uh, that, that would I only be. play the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a singer either, but that, but I guess there's only a couple of other voices here. So you do so get I, I, So I'll sing the first two verses. And that asks the questions, and then uh, Betty will sing the uh, the, the last, and I'll, and I'll drum for her. Okay, so this is okay. So so hang in here, folks. We're going to try to see if we can get this to uh, to sound right. Okay. <clears throat> and in case you're wondering again, this is to if you could hide a collab by W. W. Phelps. And once you hear it and you read the lyrics, because you'll probably be put it up there somewhere. You will never stop singing it. it. I I can't sing if you could hide a cool up anymore. I have to sing. We'll stop and tell red man. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try to give it give it a shot here. We're giving it a give give it a go. Okay. Ready? <clears throat> oh, stop and tell me, red man, who are ye? Why you roam? And how you get your living, have you no God, no home? With stature straight and portly, and decked in native pride, with feathers, paints, and brooches, he willingly replied. I once was pleasant from when Jacob for me prayed. But oh, how blessings vanish when man from God has strayed. Before your nation knew us some thousand moons ago. Our fathers fell in darkness and wandered to and fro, and long they've lived by hunting instead of work and arts, and so our race has 
redemption and break your gentile yoke and all your captive brothers from every clime shall come and quit their savage customs to live with God at home. Then joy will fill our bosoms and bless scenes crowned our days to live in pure religion and sing our Maker's praise. Hey, Thank you, Betty. Oh, that was fantastic. So that is one of the beautiful traditions of the fathers is to be able to sing and the drumming mm -hmm. and so forth. It's, it's such a powerful, emotional thing when uh, when Native peoples hear the, the drum and, the, and that. The spirit of the, the drum is it, very yeah. strong. Yeah. Um, when... When we go to gatherings and we hear that drum, the people are automatically attracted to that. They want to be there. They want to be next to that drum circle and hear that. And hear Especially the drum. when you have a drum that's the size yeah. of like a timpani. And you've got, like, <laughs> you've got 15, 15 men, men pounding on it, on it singing in unison it. and yes, singing. You know, amazing. Those are calls of gratefulness, calls of celebration, call it celebration calling the spirits in. Because we're so close to the veil that those spirits can partake of that celebration, too. That's cool. All right. Let's go ahead and thank you for that. That was wonderful. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, so uh, moving on here, what, what was one of the reasons why the rising generation did not believe the tradition of their fathers? And it had to do with uh, some of these things here. In verse 5, it says, Now in the reign of Mosiah, there were not half so numerous a people as the people of, as the people of God. They're talking about... Um, because of the dissensions among the brethren, they became more numerous. For it came to pass that they did deceive many with flattering words who uh, who were in the church, and did cause them to commit many sins. Therefore, it became expedient that those who committed sin that were in the church should be admonished by the church. But then, Alma had a little problem because he's just the spiritual leader. He's not their their secular leader, their governmental yeah. leader. So he can't really enforce the law because. He's not the law. He's he's not the government, and so they're they're kind of wondering how can they keep persecutions from happening, and then uh, actually then uh, King Mosiah in, in verse twelve, King Mosiah says to Alma, he says, "Behold, I judge them not; therefore I deliver them into thy hands to be judged." In other words, into Alma's hands to be judged. So Alma now becomes not only the spiritual leader, but he's also being able to hand out or meet out justice. And, uh, and punishments, apparently, to oh. the people as a spiritual leader. A lawmaker. The lawmaker, also, yeah. Both laws. Yeah. So then, then we go into, uh, really quickly, the voice, the, basically then Alma the Elder. Um, he has this beautiful uh, part, which is actually um, in verse four, 
14 says, And it came to pass that after he had poured out his whole soul to God, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, so this is now the Lord, mm -hmm. from, verses, from verse 15 all the way down to verse 32. 32. This is not his words. This is the Lord's this words. the Lord, yep. Yeah. And so that's why you'll find this, this is all in red here in the annotated mm -hmm. edition of the Book of Mormon, because that's the Lord's words. But it's basically the Lord, and, and he's blessing Alma, and he's reminding him of, uh, of how he was blessed to come, you know, to, to go to the waters of Mormon, to come up to the land of Helam and so forth, and, uh, and, and, and be a part of this people. Mm -hmm. um, I that, love, you know what I love? I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt. Yeah, please. But I love please. this part where he says in 18, Blessed is this people who are willing to bear my name. For in my name shall they be called. And they are mine. Yeah. He's telling us there. Blessed are we who are willing to take upon us his name. And that we are called by that. And that um, we will be his people. And that, that just right there, you know, it really is a tearjerker for me. Because um, when my mom read, we would read her the Book of Mormon. I'll never forget that. Um, when we would read parts like this where the Lord was speaking, she would say, now stop and stop. This is him speaking, isn't it? She, would, she didn't read, you know, but the Spirit told her that's the Lord speaking to us. He says, she's, he's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to all my children. He's speaking to the people. And, and he's calling us his and that we are his children and we are his people. So I just love that this whole area where the Lord is speaking right here to us yeah. personally. Yeah. That's our covenant every Sunday that we take with the mm -hmm. sacrament. Yep. And I love that President Nelson has, uh, has you know, a couple of years ago said that we need to stop calling ourselves you know, Mormons and, and, mm -hmm. and Latter-day Saints and, and try to use every, every other way we can to get away from the fact that we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. It is His Church, and we are by, and by His name we are called. And if we're not called by His name, He who says, that basically, you're not mine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know you. Don't know who you are, but... Uh, it's a little bit awkward when you're in a group of friends and you yeah. say, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus. No, you're a Mormon. You know, it's just a quick way to say it amongst us, but... Yeah. When we're out there in public and not a, not people not knowing their true name, it's definitely something we should use. Yeah. Yeah. And then on 22, this is just, just so amazing. For behold, this is my church. Whosoever is baptized shall be baptized unto repentance. And whomsoever ye shall receive shall believe in my name. And him will I freely forgive. <laughs> he, is, he is going to freely forgive <clears throat> us. And... Boy, do we mess up, don't we? And we really need to to um, go to him. And he says, I will freely forgive you. Mm -hmm. In his name. In his We're, name. We live in the Bible belt, belt down south. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting down there because it's the mission field and it's you're dealing with a lot of the Baptists, a lot of everybody. And it's it's, it's neat because you meet very few Mormons down there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and in my work, it comes up all the time. And, and and it used to be, well, you're Mormon, yeah. And some of my clients, this one client, he's a, an attorney, too. Yeah. Said, well, you're a Mormon, yes. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He goes, so you guys are not Christians, are you? <laughs> 
I go, well, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He goes, okay, so you guys aren't Christians. I said, well, we're Christians. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I said, there you go. <laughs> but people just, it just flies over their heads for some reason. It's just, it's interesting because they've been indoctrinated, especially in the South, that Mormons are not Christians. Yeah. But he goes on to say he shall have a place eternally. Yep. Shall have a, we shall have a place eternally at his right hand. Yeah. And these are just such beautiful promises we take upon his name. And you think about uh, what th th this is counsel the Lord is giving to Alma. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Alma was the one guy in all of King Noah's court, the only mm -hmm. priest that stood up for Abinadi, for Abinadi. And, list, and literally list, risked his own life to, to stick up for Abinadi. And then, and then they, they, they tried to kill him. And he took off. And then, and, then, and then, so when he talks about that he will freely forgive his sins, mm -hmm. you know, this, I, I think of the Waters of Mormon, you yeah. know, and how uh, the, 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 had the people come out and meet him there. Um, there was no money exchange or anything like that. They basically, they went into the water and he baptized them and their sins were forgiven and, and it was all it was just a free gift mm -hmm. from our Savior. Uh, and I just love that. But in, in verse uh, 25 and 26, it says, It shall come to pass that when the second trump shall sound, then, they, then, then shall they that, that never knew me come forth and shall stand before me. And then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, that I am their Redeemer, but they would not be redeemed. Mm -hmm. And then I will confess unto them that I never knew them. And they shall depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devils and his angels. So these are people who, in life, apparently feigned that they knew him and they loved him. But in reality, they didn't. And even though they may have even done things in his name, because they didn't <coughs> him, he can't vouch for them mm -hmm. in, the, uh, in the final judgment. What does that say about us today? You know, there are some of us that are living. You better that not way. be faking it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better get serious yeah. about it right now. Yeah. Therefore, I say unto you that he that will not hear my voice, the same shall ye not receive into my church. For him will I not receive at the last day. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, it's really pretty, pretty cut and dried here. But he says, but if he confesses his sins. Before thee and me, and repenteth in the sincerity of his heart, him shall ye forgive, and I will forgive him also. And uh, and then, and then how many times? Well, as many times as needed. <laughs> you know, he has, he doesn't get it. He doesn't give us a uh, um, a number limit on how many times we can be forgiven. Yeah, and he, and he never says we have to be perfect. Yeah, just try. We have to be working towards that. Yes, but if you're really trying. You're doing a good you job. You will actually become you're, more perfect. You're doing a good job. It really will happen. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, let's see, the last the little part here. So then there began to be persecutions among the church. Uh, people who were not part of the church were persecuting those who were a part of the church. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and, and so then um, in the chapter 27, verse 1, now it came to pass that the persecutions which were induced, inflicted on the church by the unbelievers became so great that the church began to murmur and complain to their leaders concerning the matter. 
So which leaders did they complain to? The ecclesiastical leaders or the uh, secular leaders? Ecclesiastical. The ecclesiastical mm -hmm. ones, apparently, because they complained to Alma. Yeah. <laughs> which is both at this time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then Alma laid the case before their king, Mosiah. Mosiah consulted with his priests, and it came to pass that the king, Mosiah, sent a proclamation throughout the land. There should be no, no unbeliever persecute any of those who belong to the church of God. There was a strict commandment through all the churches that there should be no persecutions among them, and there should be equality among all men. Okay, and then they began to prosper. They built large cities and villages in all quarters of the land. And now we are introduced for the first time into the sons of Mosiah and Alma's son, also by the name of Alma, Alma the Younger. Younger. That's in verse 8. And it says, Now the sons of Mosiah were numbered among the unbelievers. And also, one of the sons of Alma was numbered among them, he being called Alma the Younger, mm -hmm. after his father. Nevertheless, they were all basically wicked. Well, he was a wicked and idolatrous man, and he had, it was a man of many words and did speak much flattery to the people. Therefore, he led many of the people to do after the manner of his iniquities. And he became a great hinderment to the prosperity of the church of God. Well, you imagine, you know, the prophet's son running around doing that kind of stuff carries clout, you know? Yeah. I mean, people know who he is, and it's easier to follow it. It's, it's also easier to point out that maybe uh, maybe Alma wasn't the perfect father because he has a son who's got a yeah. major problem, you know, kind of thing. And so, well, see, look at him. Yeah, but we can't always judge the parent by the children. No, we can't. Either more, any more than we can judge the children by the parent. Right. <laughs> you know, right. we each have to make our own choices. And Alma was obviously making very bad choices. But this is a great lesson, I think, for us in our latter days because we do have so many parents who have had the uh, the heartbreak of having a child choose a a life mm -hmm. different than theirs, to choose to rebel against the gospel, to uh, to to not live it. And so forth, and um, and a lot of parents are really kind of wringing their hands, like, "What do I do?" And I think this is a good example of what you can do, yes, and maybe what you should do. So, you want to talk about that just a little bit? <clears throat> well, of course, Alma. He, what did he do to help his son come to grips? Was fast, much fasting, fasting and prayer. You know, before the angel come and visited him. And that's what we do as parents, you know, for our children. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see him really, you know, coddling him and saying, "Oh, it's okay, just go ahead and persecute the, you know, yeah. the, the church and go hang out with your buddies and so forth. It's all right, you know. We still love you, although he still did love him. But I don't, I don't see any of this. Yeah. I wonder you know, if he lived acceptance at home. of his lifestyle and what he was doing. You think he lived at home? It doesn't sound like it. Sounded like they lived uh, outside. I think, I think riotous living. Yeah, but 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 Alma didn't give up on him. No, nope. continuously fasted and prayed, and that that gives us an example as parents in the modern day. It doesn't matter when it happened. I guess I guess though one of the things I have so many parents who've had that heartbreak and they go, well, I've fasted and I've prayed, and where's my angel? Yeah, wow. Where's yeah. my angel experience for my yeah. kids? You know, I've had the experience myself with being a parent of, you know, someone that doesn't, that has taken a path way off your, you know, thinking for them. And and I struggled with it with one of our children, and it broke my heart. And all I did was pray and pray. And one day I just got on my knees and I asked Heavenly Father, listen, 
I'm not getting the answer here. I want to hear. Of course, we do that. <laughs> yeah. And no angel. It came so loud and clear what he said to me. He said, "Love her." That was it. Those two words, "Love her." And when I heard that so loud after I finished praying, it was just like the peace that came within myself and that's what I've done I love her and we love our children our Heavenly Father loves us imagine what he feels like when he sees us make Mm -hmm. all these mistakes I'm sure he still loves us he still forgives us and you know and if you think about it he's probably the ultimate parent I mean God the father is a pretty amazing parent but yet he had a third of his kids yeah. reject his mm-hmm. plan in the preexistence. So so brothers and sisters, if you have children who choose a different path, just remember that our Father in heaven didn't get 100% of his kids no. to follow his plan either. And the, and the fasting and praying may may not bring immediate mm-hmm. um, cause and effect, but it does to yourself. Yes. Which helped yeah. You comfort. Which has helped Betty get through it. I got through it pretty easy because I'm me. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I knew I knew our children our knew our children were taught right. You know, yeah. we brought them up right. Yeah. And I and I knew the power of agency. You know, right. like mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, the agency is there. And I and I kept telling Betty, I said, "What else could we done? We didn't we didn't lock her in a closet. We didn't do this and that. You know, we we did yeah. what we can do." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is her choice, and sh- she will come back. Yeah. But, you know, with in the Native world, uh, I'm now speaking my Native way, that um, that's the one thing my mom, who I always talk about my mom, because to me she's, she's the ultimate. Angel. Yeah, she's <laughs> just, she's right there standing and probably sitting next to our Savior right now. <laughs> That's the type of person she was. Anyway, she always said that. And when I said that prayer, immediately I got the just love her. I heard my mother, too, say, Oh, she That means daughter, always love her. Always love them. That's the only way to um, yeah. do to do it and to make it and to um, unite as a family has had that love always you don't have to sh- you don't have to tell someone you love them that's the traditional way you don't have to tell them you show them that you love them and you honor them and you you um, take care of them and you you just love them that's just yeah. just the answer I got to from her and it was just amazing yeah. experience and back when we get back to the, this, though, we do actually have in this particular situation a miraculous event that happens, where uh, the, the you know um, Mosiah, the, the sons of Mosiah and Alma are going about to wrecking the church. They're mm-hmm. you know, the personal wrecking balls, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're going about to destroy the church of God, and it goes about secretly with the sons of Mosiah seeking to destroy the church and to lead astray the people of the Lord, contrary to the commandments of God or even the king. So uh, they were going against all the laws, basically both the secular and the spiritual laws. And as I, and this is now Mormon said, 
unto you, as they were going about rebelling against God, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and, and he descended, as it were, in a cloud, and he spake, as it were, with the voice of thunder, which caused the earth to shake upon which they stood. And so great was their astonishment that they fell to the earth and understood not the words which he spake unto them. Nevertheless, he cried again, saying, I love this, you know, Alma, arise and stand forth. Mm. I mean, it's like... First, you knock them to the no. ground and said, "Get up, <laughs> get their attention, get their attention, get their attention." And then he said, uh, "For why persecutest thou the church of God? For the Lord has said, This is my church, and I will establish it, and nothing shall overthrow it, save it is the transgression of my people." And then the angels uh, talked to him some more, basically, you know, and 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 called him, basically, uh, told him that his father had been fasting and praying for him. And that, uh, that that now he he has now witnessed firsthand the power and authority of God, and uh, and so then he, uh, he 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 basically calls him to repent, and of course we know what happens. Becomes a great missionary. He becomes a huge a, a huge well, missionary well, and the and, uh, and but he but he's basically completely like unconscious. It's apparently oh yeah. But at this point in time, knocked him out. Knocked him out. And, uh, and it said, and now that this is verse 19, and now the astonishment of Alma was so great that he became dumb that he could not open his mm-hmm. mouth. And he became weak, and so he could not even move his hands. Therefore, he was taken by those who were with him and carried helpless, even until he was laid before his father. So this, this kind of kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, the, uh, the the man who was lowered down through the roof and because he couldn't. Had palsy, had palsy, yeah. and so forth, and was and and was mm-hmm. laid down at the uh, at the feet of Christ, basically to be healed. But in this particular case, he was completely overcome by the power of of God, and and uh, and and couldn't even move. And I, I imagine it probably was made made people wonder in verse twenty. And they rehearsed unto his father all that had happened to them, and his father rejoiced. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> My son has finally been humbled here. Prayers have been answered. Yeah, the prayers have been answered. For he knew that it was the power of God that had did the, had, had done this, and that, uh, that that he couldn't do it. No one else could do it. It was God had to do it in this particular case. Kind of reminds me of of Laman and Lemuel and Lehi. Can you imagine him as a father, watching all this stuff happen, and then, you know, yeah, had to be. But interesting, unlike Laman and Lemuel, which actually also saw an angel. Yeah. And they got zapped by the angel too, and basically. Nephi shocked They them. forgot about it after a while. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Which is kind of a weird deal. But Alma, on the other hand, Alma the Younger, I mean, he, was, he, he became a stalwart for the rest of his life. Yeah. I mean, it really <clears throat> completely changed him and also. Um, but one of the things I, I, I look at that with Laman and Lemuel is that they had this, this, this um, conversion experience, but they didn't do what the sons of Mosiah and Alma did. Mm-hmm. Which is what did they do? They went out and they began to preach the gospel. Laman and Lemuel never did that. No. no. They 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 just kind of left that to their dad and Nephi, Nephi yeah. to to do the preaching of the gospel to their family. But these guys, they were just they were just wanted to share the gospel, and so they started to share the gospel and they started to you know, go around and try try to make amends for all the all the, all the people that they had led astray. That's part of the repentance process. That yeah. shows that they were truly repentant. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. You know, it reminds me of, I'm just going to share this a little bit. My, our son, 
um, became an alcoholic and he became addicted to all kinds of medicine, you know, and stuff. And we, as parents, fasted and prayed for him all the time. And it was until um, he was nearly killed, uh, dragged out of a burning van by somebody in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, he had run into a tree, and it burst into fire, and they pulled this stranger, pulled him out of the van. And from that experience, Mm -hmm. and this is a son that had served a mission, he just, I mean, when when you go astray, Satan has you, you go astray. And he uh, eventually came back, and now... The power of prayer and fasting was answered, you know, and he has such a strong Mm -hmm. testimony. And the people that he shares his story with are those in the AA program. Love him. Look up to him. He has changed lives. And I think about these young men here um, who had been through this, who had... um, went against the the church but came back even stronger and we have those experiences in a lot of families all so over. you guys have had an alma yeah the elder experience oh yeah he he our yeah. son How he's cool our only that? son a modern day alma the elder experience here he is and, our and it's interesting son. you know his weakness became his strength Mm-hmm. He is a leader, and yeah. the people just love him. They look at, look up to him. They ask him for help, not just uh, monetary. They don't really ask monetary. Yeah. They ask for spiritual strength from him. How cool is that? And he, he's younger than most of these people. you know. <laughs> that, that, and he goes uh-huh. and he talks about his experience, and he talks about great spirit, and he includes that in, yeah. in what he preaches. Or I, think, I think he can relate to him. And, oh, and yeah. Alma, the, the younger, could relate as well because, I mean, he was basically one of the unbelievers who were persecuting the saints, mm-hmm. and uh, now he's one of the saints. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. The people yeah. he used to persecute, now he's one of them. So. And I think the Lord, um, Heavenly Father, puts us through these things in our lives for our betterment. Yeah. To see what we do with it, you know, how we would use it in our lives and to help people, other people. Yeah, know. I'm just thinking about the parallels between your son and his experience and Alma the Younger and his experience. Basically, he was, he thought he was going to die, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so he was in this situation mm-hmm. kind of like your son thought yeah. he was going to die. And then he has this amazing, you know, experience, basically. He says he was in the depths of hell. Mm-hmm. And his life was basically, you know, he d- He'll tell laid you. out in yeah. front of him. Our son will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you have to hit the rock bottom mm-hmm. and before you realize how special you are in the eyes of God. And that God has a reason for you to continue to be on this earth. Mm-hmm. And that you didn't die. Well, you might have. But you didn't die, and there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. And when you find that out, it can be so powerful. It, and it's, and, a, and it's an internal thing for each person, too, because yeah. as much as we wanted to help him change or make couldn't make him change, I mean, right. yeah. that we were 100% powerless. We, and he had to do that himself, yeah. which is neat, because that's true conversion. Yeah. 
He had to do it himself. If somebody's just doing it because their parents want them to, then that's it's that, not that's really stick. the right not the right mm-hmm. motivation. They got to do it because in their heart of hearts they want to do this. Yeah. All right. So we need to finish up a few things here. So the last a couple of things. Um, uh, verse. Uh, let's see. This is verse thirty-one, and right at the very end of verse thirty-one, it's, it talks about that. Um, uh, then, uh, then shall they confess who live without God in the world that the judgment of an everlasting punishment is just upon them and they shall quake and tremble and shrink beneath the great glance of his all-searching eye. And now in the uh, the all-searching eye thing is, is kind of an interesting thing because um, on page 193 in the Annotated Book of Mormon here, we talk a little bit about this all-searching eye because the Jews have a Hebrew word it's called the Hamish. And the Hamish is the equivalent for, of Hamsa. And ham and the hamish means five in Hebrew. So uh, basically, the Jewish people refer to the five fingers like this mm-hmm. as the hamsa. And 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 if you go to Jerusalem, when I was there a few years ago. I say I don't, you go to all the all the souvenir shops and so forth, and there's all these little hands, and mm-hmm. it has a little eye in the in the palm of the hand. And I, and so I was, I was talking to some people. So what exactly is that? I say, well, it's kind of a it's kind of a Hebrew thing, but actually, it's even older than just the Hebrews. It goes way, way back, and basically, it has to do with the all-seeing eye of God. Mm-hmm. That God is watching over all of us, and the, and the, the number five basically is the human hand, basically, and it and it's really interesting because there's also it, there have been found in the archaeological um, you know realm of the Hopewell Mound Builder mm-hmm. people here in North America. Um, we have a couple of examples on page 193 of uh, of of a shell gorget, basically, or a a, a shell mm-hmm. piece where, they, where they've actually carved it into the shape of a hand, and it has the the eye in the middle of it. There's also a dish that was 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 carved yeah. out, basically, and it has a hand in that with an eye in it as well. It's a stone, which is definitely it's made by the Hopewell Mound Building people. It's also Typical of Hebrews and what the mm-hmm. Hebrew uh, all-seeing eye is talking about in the Book of Mormon actually mentions that specifically. So that's just kind of a fun thing to kind of. And what's throw amazing out there. is that you see it in a lot of the native art petroglyphs and different areas. Mm-hmm. I actually yep. found it, and so I use it in my um, drum designs. I'll put the yeah, you put the eye, eye in it. There. Yeah, that that's one has that. That has, has it right here. Yes, it's <clears> right, the eye here. right there. Right here. So they can see it. Yep. That's a sacred symbol, you know. That's Yeah, in the native culture. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, so that's kind of cool because it's, the, it's a native culture thing. It's also mm-hmm. here in the Book of Mormon, which mm-hmm. is where we think that they're coming from, right? So um, then, then just to finish up here, so we have the names of the, 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 the sons of Mosiah. There were Ammon, Aaron, Omner, and Hamni. And so they, basically in chapter 28... They decide that uh, that they have apparently they feel like they've kind of done their penance with the ne- or, you know, in the Nephite culture basically, and they want to now take the gospel to their brethren, the Lamanites. Lamanites. And so they ask for uh, the prophets, or well, basically they they ask for, for uh, the kings, King Mosiah, if it'd be okay if they leave and go to their sworn enemies, the Lamanites. <laughs> <You know? Yeah>. Not <laughs> the a ones who are trying to kill them all the time. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go there. Um, and, 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 and they have such a love for everyone that they just can't imagine. They can't even bring themselves to the idea that anyone, anyone. would fall into basically the hell or hell, mm-hmm. hellfire and damnation kind of stuff. 
And so they basically, they could not bear that any human soul should perish. That's in verse 3. And so they asked King Mosiah, um, and then King Mosiah, I'm sure he was probably like, no. But he asked the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so in verse 6, he says, And King Mosiah went and inquired of the Lord if he should let his sons go up among the Lamanites to preach the word. And the Lord said unto Mosiah, Let, let them go. go let my people go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Let them go up. For many shall believe on their words, and they shall have eternal life, and I will deliver thy sons out of the hands of the Lamanites. Well, with that kind of a uh, of a confirmation that they're going to be okay, he felt it was felt much better. Felt much better, and said, "Well, yes, you can go." <clears throat> and it's and I, I love right at the very end of verse eight. You have this little this little piece of commentary by Mormon. He says, "And I, talking this is Mormon here, shall give an account of their proceedings hereafter." And that's in Alma chapter seventeen to twenty four. Mm-hmm. So here in the Book of Mormon is a place where he's telling us. Okay, because he's doing the abridgment, he's saying, I'm going to tell you that stuff later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, so that's a little commentary about about uh, Mormon's abridgment here going on. Um, let's see. Now, King Mosiah had no one to confer the kingdom upon. And so, uh, so therefore, now this, this is, so this tells you now, they, they've now accumulated several <coughs> pieces of, of um, literature, if you will. To guide their people in the future, these are what, these are what they had. This is verse eleven. Therefore, he took the records which were engraved on the plates of brass, which were of course written by Moses. That this, their sons went and got them from Laban, and, yeah. and, uh, and risked their lives to get them and bring them so they could have the 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 history, the true history, and also the plates of Nephi. Now, this is several hundred years now after Nephi lived, and he had lived and died, and his plates were part of the history that they had here and all the things which he had kept and preserved according to the commandments of God and after and and have excuse me God after having translated and caused to be written the records which were on the plates of gold which had been found by the people of Limhi mm. now whose record is that Jaredite that's the Jaredite record so they have the record of Moses, the record of Nephi, and also the Jaredite record, which were delivered to him by the hand of Lamhi. And this he did because of the great anxiety of his people, for they were desirous beyond measure to know concerning those people which had been destroyed. But how do they get the translation of the Jaredite record? It tells us right here in verse 13. Yep. Go ahead and read that, Mike. And now he translated them by the means of those two stones, which were fastened into rims of a bull. So basically the Urim and Thummim. Yep. I keep going one more. Now these things were prepared from the beginning and were handed down from generation to generation for the purpose of interpreting languages. Okay, now I want to stop for just a second. This is really important because there's a big kind of a, almost a controversy going on about the translation of the Book of Mormon and what instrument was used. And in this one here, they, they, they say specifically that it was the means of two stones that were fastened into two rims of a bow. Does that sound very much like the, uh, the, the description that was given of the Urim and Thummim that Joseph Smith used? And where did it start from? It says they were prepared from the beginning. Generation to generation, beginning long, of long what? ago. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Was this Adam beginning of Adam and Eve? Was this the beginning of Lehi's journey? Was it the beginning of the of, of 
you know, from, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Noah, or possibly from Abraham. But they, but these were these were specifically made from, and they were passed down, handed down from generation to generation, for what purpose? Interpreting, Interpreting languages. languages. <clears throat> so from one language into another language. That's what these things were set up from the beginning. And we don't know which beginning it is. But it says, and they have been kept and preserved by the hand of the Lord that he should discover to every creature who should possess the land. So I'm talking about probably here in America. The iniquities and abominations of his people. And, and whosoever has these things is called the seer after the manner of old times. So. So basically, King Mosiah was a seer mm-hmm. because he had these interpreters. And then it says in verse 17, Now after Mosiah had finished translating these records, behold, it, it gave an account of the people who were destroyed from the time that they were destroyed, from the time that they were destroyed back to the building of the great tower at the time that the Lord confounded the language of the people, and they were scattered upon the face of, the, of all the earth. That's the Tower of Babel. And even from that time back until the creation of Adam, so they're telling you from the creation of Adam. Yes. But that was all one language until the Tower of Babel. So after that, it was... It got messed up. And that's probably when, when the, the interpreters became important mm-hmm. or critical because up until that time, people shared a common language. Yeah. That's true. No one, his family all had one language. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. and they were off the ark. So after that, they, they went into the different people and they maybe had alterations to their language, but they were still basically speaking one language until the Tower of Babel, and all of a sudden it was all messed up. They couldn't understand each other. Um, and then, so I just think that that, that's, that is a really an important aspect of it because where did those end up? And that's what we're going to talk about here in the last, the last couple of verses here. Verse 20 says, And now, as I said unto you, now who's the I in this in this part is this is mormon again making his commentary right it says and now as i mormon said unto you that after king Mosiah had done these things he had done the interpretation and so forth he took the plates of brass and all the things which he had kept and conferred them upon alma who was the son of alma so this is alma the younger yeah. yea and all the records and also the interpreters, interpreters yeah. And conferred them upon him and commanded him that he should keep and preserve them and also keep a record of the people, handing them down from one generation to another, even as they've been handed down from the time that Lehi had left Jerusalem. So the question is, where did those interpreters end up? They were handed down by commandment to Alma the Younger, and he was to keep them from generation to generation... From the time that they left Jerusalem. And then they were going to basically end up in the stone box in the top of the hill Cumorah, along with the plates, and they and they specifically mm-hmm. were the Yerm and Thummim, the interpreters. And so this is something that God made hundreds and hundreds of years in advance, maybe even a, a couple of thousands of years in advance, and then made sure that those that they got from the Jaredites, you know, basically, and, and, and well, the, the Jaredites, um, the, these actually probably came more from Lehi and his family, apparently, because it doesn't say that the Jaredites had them necessarily. Mm-hmm. They may have had some, but basically, some. yeah, but then, uh, but then these particular ones were handed down from generation to generation through the Nephite line and for the very purpose of translating this 
into this. From Reformed Egyptian into English. And there's been speculation that it was actually based on anti-Mormon hogwash, basically that Joseph Smith just decided at some point in time to stop using the interpreters, which were the instruments that God prepared thousands of years in advance, and instead to use a peepstone in a hat and just read it instead of actually translate. There's no translator involved in just reading it off of a stone, but the Lord Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith all said over and over again that it was a translation, which means that they, Joseph Smith had to use his brain and God had to prepare him spiritually so that he would have the, the mental capacity to do this. But he also was using the interpreters and through the gift and power of God, power using of God. his own knowledge as well, he made a translation from one language into another language. And that word translation is used continuously. Mm-hmm. At no time does, does God or <clears throat> Joseph Smith or Oliver Cowdery, the three people who are most involved in the translation process, they never, ever said anything about a stone and a hat. It's always by the gift and power of God. And the interpreter. Always, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and, and that means that, that Joseph Smith was a seer. Okay. Yeah. So that's basically uh, anything else you'd like to add to all of this? At this point, <laughs> that takes us to chapter 29. And I would just like to basically uh, thank you for coming in and, uh, and sharing some of your experiences. And especially, I think it's just so amazing that you've had your own Alma the Elder yeah, experience. Yeah, I think we all have. I think, I don't think, I think we all have in one way or the other. Well, usually we're either going to have an Alma the Elder experience or we're going to have an Alma the Younger experience. And hopefully we're smart enough to have the Alma the Elder <laughs> yeah. experience where, where you stay are able to stay faithful and so forth without, uh, without falling away and then, and then praying for other people and helping them to come back into the gospel. So mm-hmm. I think that whenever um, we become members of the church, we, we make covenants and I don't think that when someone goes astray, they ever forget those covenants, even if they go through the muck in their life. I think they eventually are led back to um, the truth because they were touched by the Spirit when they were converted. Mm -hmm. The Spirit works. The Spirit teaches us. That's the only way we learn. And um, I know that for a fact because the same with my my parents, you know, and so us praying as parents, we need to pray for our young, younger generation, even even for total strangers. We need right. to pray for our younger generation as a church, as a whole world, yeah. um, because they're not going to be happy times ahead. There's going to be some pretty really bad hard struggles, steps. yes, yeah. and so we need to keep them constantly in our prayers. Yeah. Our prophet has told us to do that, and especially to pray for revelation so that we can know what to do to help them along these paths that some of them may take. Mm. So, You just stole my closing comments. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. So uh, we want to thank you for uh, taking your time to, uh, to, to share this, uh, uh, this uh, opportunity to uh, talk with uh, Mike and Betty. 
so grateful for them and for their their goodness and their their uh, <coughs> spirit that they that they bring and, and thankful for that. Um, last a couple of uh, quick things though, and that is that um, you've had an opportunity to uh, be in some of the new church uh, the the Book of Mormon videos. Yes. Um, so so tell everybody what what episode of your are you in so far? Uh, King, King, <laughs> King Lamoni. Um, uh-huh. And the teachings that he was taught and his uh, testimony that he gained. And uh, I just love the part where it's Ammon, right? Mm-hmm. Comes to him and asks him, Does thou believe there is a great spirit? And he said, Well, was it he believed that? It was God. Does thou believe there is a God? Yeah, and if he says that and this is the says, great well, spirit. Are you talking yes. about the great spirit? I said, yeah, I'm talking about the great spirit. Yeah, and he was talking about the great spirit. I was in that room when he was <clears throat> talking. I was standing right there, and the spirit was so strong. We were all just, just in tears, and the spirit was so amazing. Um, there were so many experiences like that throughout the whole thing. And just to be amongst my native people mm-hmm. and to be a part of it was, was just was totally a spiritual experience. We, I connected well with a lot of them. And like I said, we shared the song, the Red Man song, and um, the spirit of, of Ammon. I, didn't, I never knew his name. I never learned his name and how he would come in there and talk to us about him being a part of a, a Pueblo. Uh, he 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 shared with us that he'd had his DNA done, and oh yeah, the guy. This is the guy who's playing Ammon. Yes, yeah. and he said that, that through his DNA, he found that he was part Pueblo. But he was it, kind of like a uh, didn't you say he was like a uh, surfer guy or something in California? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he he shared with us that information, and as soon as he did that, we all just kind of looked at each other around the table because he came and. He had a meal or two with us, and um, we told him about his people and the tradition and the culture, and he just sat there, and he was just emotional about it, and the spirit was really strong. There were moments like that throughout the whole mm-hmm. Book of Mormon videos thing, but it was it was great. I enjoyed it. Well, we understand that you're, you're trying out for another part, which you can't tell us about, or no, we have I to can't. shoot us. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but we will, we will just, uh, if everybody just, you know, will... Uh, uh, wish you uh, good luck on being able to uh, be a part of that, that uh, those scenes that are coming still. And it's a and very so emotional awesome. part of the Book of Mormon for me. Yeah, that's yeah. all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're excited about that. We wish you the best of luck on that. Thank you. Okay, so everybody, we're we're <clears throat> we're uh, hopefully you're enjoying these uh, podcasts. Um, we have uh, we kind of fell a little bit behind on a couple of them, but uh, because of they had the, our big conference and so forth. But uh, Mike and and Nancy have been working hard to uh, get this uh, all put out there, and so we're thankful for them. Uh, so we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us with the Come Follow Me supplemental uh, study material and uh, on the Book of Mormon evidence uh, streaming, and also uh, Come Follow Me 2020. Thanks for having us, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. We've really enjoyed it. You bet. Yeah. So I encourage everybody to go to, uh, to uh, Come Follow Me 2020 or Book of Mormon evidence streaming. And to or, or Book of Mormon Evidence.org, where you can have links to all of this information. Come and join the podcast uh, every week. Uh, they're fantastic, and we have just the most wonderful, uh, spirit filled um, uh, interviews together. Mm-hmm. 
Come and join us. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Book of Mormon Evidence podcast. If you like this Come Follow Me supplemental study, click the like button and share it with your friends. Be sure to go to bookofmormonevidence.org, which is a hub with all the links that you would like to the podcasts, to upcoming events, the store, 200 plus answers about the Book of Mormon, as well as links to our streaming site, which now has over 100 new videos from our virtual expo. If you want to see the expo, go to comefollowme2020.org, and you can also see them on the streaming site, bookofmormonevidencestreaming.com.